Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. We are here with uh, Dustin Reekman. We've been talking about the five-step formula for podcast guesting. He sort of hinted at this uh, resource for pitching where he gets like an 80% success rate. We're going to have to delve into that a little bit more as well as the $550,000 purchase order he got for his business based upon a LinkedIn message and some other podcast goodies right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. And I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. All right. So I'll just ask you about the... Let's get into the like the pitch yeah. part. Maybe you can refer back to the five steps during the pitch, like get that juicy nugget, and then we'll get into those two stories, which we definitely want to deconstruct yeah. here a bit. So sounds good. Yeah, cool. Welcome back to easy for me to say. <clears throat> it's just the name of the show. <laughs> kind of pulled across from there, didn't you, Ralph? <laughs> it was the it was bad audio costume. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> the record skipped. <laughs> the record skipped. All right, we're here with Dustin Reekman, and we want to get into what is this? What is this methodology for pitching podcasts to get you on like an eighty percent hit rate? That seems kind of insane. 
to me? What What is it? Let's spill the goods there and then we can get into some of your success stories. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's going to sound crazy, but the first 12 podcasts that I pitched, and this again, back in 2020, I got 100% success rate. And I thought, man, this is going to last forever. And then, of course, I got a few that ignored me and some that said no and got a bit of a reality check. But in doing this repeatedly for myself and with a bunch of clients, we do see 80%. Now, that may sound far-fetched, but it's also a very intentional process. So it's not like we're spraying and playing, you know, and praying. We're actually choosing who we're reaching out to and we're being very intentional and relational on how we do it. <clears throat> so I have a free resource. We can talk about that for people to do, it, to do this really easily on their own. But in a really basic sense, I know this is audio only, so it's kind of hard to, to visualize an email. But imagine an email in three pieces. So the first piece here, and it's really critical, is relational anchors. So that is if I'm reaching out to Ralph, I need to immediately demonstrate to Ralph that I'm not some random weirdo like from the internet who's reaching out wanting something. Like I have to immediately, first sentence, connect with him, have some relational reason to reach out. And so that could be something I know about him from his LinkedIn profile. It could be hopefully something we have in common. So as an example of a relational anchor, I was on a podcast called Bigger Pockets Business, and it was hosted by a husband and wife team. My first business online is called Engaged Marriage. And it was my wife and I that started that and grew out of marriage ministry that we were doing. So it was really easy for me to make that connection. So, hey, Jay, I love how you co-host you know, your podcast with your wife. It, it really rings true to me because my wife and I started my first online business that way. So that's a relational anchor, right? And so he's immediately sees this guy knows something about me. He spent some time either listening to the show or, or, or researching me in some way. The next little piece, the second sentence basically is a, is a form of flattery, but not in like an empty way. So it could be, hey, I loved an episode 194 when you interviewed Kasim and he shared this tactic. I went and implemented it in my own business and this is what happened. So again, like I'm flattering you and saying you're, you're great. Like I love the work that you do, but it's not just this empty thing. Contrast that first paragraph with what we all get all day in our email inbox and on LinkedIn, which is, hi, Dustin, I'd like to have a guest post on your site or hi, Dustin, I want to be on your show. Like, okay, like, who are you? Why would I care? This is clearly a blanket email that you sent out to 10,000 people at the same time. So we're not doing that. So that 80% acceptance rate is awesome, but you got to realize that you're putting in some effort, you know, to, to make it real. So that's step one, relational anchor. This, the middle part of this email is basically what's the win for the person receiving it. It's not about me. It's about them. So for a podcast guest in particular, and I did this with you all, I basically want to outline a show for you. And I basically want to, in bullets, say, here's what I can share with your audience that I think they'll really enjoy. And, you know, this is copywriting. So you want to have some kind of juicy bullets, some curiosity inducing things like how to get an 80% acceptance rate, you know, as a podcast guest, like that would be a great bullet if, that's, if this is the topic you're trying to address. But that's the middle part. What exactly is in it for the person receiving it? And for podcast guests or podcast hosts, I should say, that's always about how can I serve their audience? Because the way to make the podcast host win is to give a win to their audience. And then the third part of this email is a very simple but clear call to action, right? Like one I like to use is, are you interested? So if I'm reaching out to you guys, I'm like, hey, this is why I love perpetual traffic. I got so much value out of this specific episode and this tactic. Here's what I think I could teach, which is pretty unique. And I don't think you guys have covered it. Here's four bullet points about how, how we could improve or how we could improve the lives of your audience with my content. Are you interested, Dustin? And 
that are you interested is is I think a, a nice call to action because it's not like let's book a call. It's not like give me your calendar link. It's a very easy thing for you to say yes to because you could respond to that and be like, sure, I want to explore this further, or yes, follow back up in thirty days. You know, but it's an easy yes. Because what I don't want is for you to ignore it or like just immediately say no because it sounds like too much work. So that's that's kind of breaking down the structure of the email. And there's more nuance and stuff that, that I go, th- go through in my playbook that I'm going to give to the audience. Yeah, we'll definitely leave a link in the show notes. We'll talk about it at the end there. I, mean, I, I think uh, just listening to what you're saying, like this is work. So, you know, anything that's worthwhile, <laughs> you pay for it either in money or time, right? And this, in this case, especially for maybe you that might be listening out there, if you have either, then, well, there is an alternative on the money side, which we can get into, but this is a time commitment. Like you have to legitimately have something to say in all three phases of that email. And I think, you know, both Kasim and I, I, I know I have been the victim of you know emails that are very vague and it's clear they've never listened to perpetual traffic they don't really and it's you can tell like the font is slightly different where they copied and pasted (laughs) they didn't put in the work like in those ones you notice and they immediately get deleted but something that's like heartfelt and really specific and you've actually put in the work that makes a huge difference. And we have had people on the show as a result of this. And that does not mean send emails to me and Kasim <laughs> here by any stretch. But the point is, is it does make a huge difference in exactly what you're saying. Yeah. The, the flip side to that, and I know you, you probably have strong opinions on this, is that there are a lot of agencies that do this for you. And maybe you can compare and contrast a bit. So time versus money and like, what, what's the difference there? What's your recommendation? Obviously, probably start it on your own first and then maybe do this later on as you get more and more successful. Like, what are your thoughts on a paid way of, of doing it as well? For sure. Yeah. And, and before I step into that, just to, I totally agree this is work, but I don't want people to think like every email I ever write is this much work. It's this much work once, as long as you stay in the same target market your clothes and your middle piece are the same, right? Like I may tweak it a little bit for a particular show, but those four bullet points are basically my, the thing I'm going to teach no matter where I go in that target market. So it's really that first part that's got to be customized every time I have. And this gets to your, your question about an agency versus doing this yourself or, or someone on your team. I'm a huge advocate of training a virtual assistant to do most of this legwork and owning it as part of my company. And so maybe that's self-serving because of my coaching business. This is basically what I do is I help entrepreneurs do this really well. And we actually have a training for their virtual assistant. We actually help them hire a virtual assistant if they don't have one. But I think it's it's a huge asset to own this marketing system. But yes, you can outsource it and, and you could go have an agency say, get me on 20 podcasts in this general target market. And they will do that and they will send out a lot of requests that won't be very customized. And in my experience and working with clients who have went that route and got no sales or results from it, one of the big complaints is, well, they just sent me and like 20 other people to the same podcast all the time. Like, so like this podcast basically exists to interview people from this agency. And I don't know if there's a financial, you know, connection between the two or not, or if they're just an easy outlet to get yeses from. But I feel like the the big disadvantage in going that that podcast booking agency route can be that 
it's not targeted and or it's not strategic, right? So getting on a show is important, but it's like the 20%. The 80% is what you do with it. And so those agencies have nothing to do with that. So if you just get on a lot of shows and you don't know how to actually use those opportunities to grow, yeah, that's, that's kind of a, a lost cause. And the other obvious you know, negative on that route is the cost because those, those services aren't typically very cheap and it's ongoing, right? This We talked about kind of free traffic versus paid traffic. Then it becomes another paid traffic channel that still requires a lot of your time to actually do show up and do the, the interviews and you don't really control who they're targeting and you don't necessarily have a back end to make it worthwhile. And you're continuing to pay for it every time you want to be on another show versus if you train a VA and, and they can work five hours, maybe 10 hours tops a week running this system for you. Now you own that. And if that VA leaves, you got SOPs, you got training, you can plug someone else back in because it's not rocket science. It's just, it just takes attention to detail. So that's my big preference is like, I want to own this. And then I own a marketing channel as an asset in my business rather than have it outsourced. That's my view. And again, I know I'm uh, a little bit, you know, on that, uh, I guess, incentivized to think that way, because this is how I developed and this is what I help people do. But I, I do think that it's the, it's the best, the best choice for many entrepreneurs. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Like we're in the process right now of hiring, I believe two VAs to help with our content distribution. And, but this seems like this could be a task for one of them because yeah. it's, you said five to 10 hours a week perfectly plays into the whole idea of just massive content distribution in an organic way. And, you know, based upon the SOPs, which you'll leave us a link in the show notes for, uh, they'll be able to sort of pick this up exactly where you left off on the show here with a really good playbook as to how to do this for minimal hours a week. Maybe start it. I always tell people, like, before you have somebody else do it, especially if you're a smaller business, do it yourself to yes. start. Like, do everything, handcraft everything. You're going to notice certain things that you wouldn't if you just hired somebody or got somebody on staff to do it and, and put in the work first. And then you know the ins and outs and the intricacies and the nuances. And then when you hire that person, you have a better knowledge of it. You know, at a certain level, businesses are at, at a stage of growth. So maybe that's not possible for the CEO. But if you're just starting out, like, do this, like, listen to what you're saying and do it on your own. And then maybe step two, hire a VA. It's sort of my thought process. Would you agree with that? That's exactly, exactly, exactly what we profess and what we do. Like, yeah, with my simple success coaching business, like our core, I guess, flagship product is a 12 week program. We call it an accelerator. And I want to work with the business owner. A lot of people we work with are solopreneurs. They have a very small team. Like I said, they may or may not have a VA yet. But they're, you know, they're being successful, but they see this as a really good way to build relationships and add, you know, another six figures to their business with this approach. And I'm a huge advocate of them doing the work first and going through those five steps at least once themselves for a lot of reasons. One is like they have to own the purpose, which is the first step. They can't expect the VA to figure out why they want to be on shows or what their call to action is going to be or even what their target market should be like that's on the owner. The steps two and three, which is the plan and the pitch, that's VA material, right? Like that's the repetitive, okay, like we got to keep doing that part, but that's the part someone else should be doing. And then that step four is perform, right? It's like, unless you're at a really big level, you're going to be the one performing. <laughs> Can't get the VA to go on the show for you. Yeah, right. Yeah, you, you probably don't want your VA on, on the show. Is your brand ambassador. Can I take just a, a quick contrarian view, if y'all don't mind? I, I think that the way that we think about virtual assistants is flawed. 
And I'm not picking on YouTube, by the way. It's the entire entrepreneurial world. Because people are like, oh, this is grunt work. Send it to a VA. I've had, and Ralph, you know this because you've met some of my people. Julianne, the gal that's now the director of automations at Solutions 8, started as my virtual assistant. Yvonne, who's our CTO, started as my virtual assistant. VAs are capable of so much. They just lost the geographic lottery. It's just a bunch of people who aren't in a, a, a location to be able to benefit from what would otherwise be considered, you know, like Western salaries. But some of these VAs, like I'm not saying don't give them grunt work, do, but give them grunt work and then give them some flexibility to grow into it. I've got a young lady right now, Ari, who's managing my, my LinkedIn and she is crushing. And I'm getting like real leads out of it. And she has ideas and, she, and she's creative and she's moving forward. And so what I want the whole world to do is when you have one of those resources, like don't assume it's just grunt work. Every single one of them ends up outgrowing that role on an almost, I hate to use the word exponential because it's just so cliche, but on a factored scale. And, and then they make it bigger and better than it's ever been if they're given kind of the, the, the flexibility and the autonomy to do so. No, I, I actually 100% agree, Kasim. And I guess maybe it's the word VA or virtual assistant has got a bad rep. Right. Maybe I could say podcast assistant. But everyone I've ever hired and what I actually propose most people do is hire actually US-based and pay them quite well. Because th this task for this, what I'm talking about, it is research and it is writing and it is formulaic but it still requires creativity, right? And not to say, and, and, and to your point, someone in any country could have lots of creativity and it could work at a, at a lower rate. I, it's just part of my kind of ethos. Like I want to support, you know, you know, the, the people I want to have in my business to kind of be, you know, US-based and good English communicators. And a lot of them are like moms and this is like something they do you know, as a part-time thing to support their family. And I think that that's, that's wonderful. But yeah, it's, this is not, grunt work. It is repetitive work. And I guess when I said that, like, you're going to do this over and over, someone else should do it. It's a sense that the business owner shouldn't do it because it is repetitive and someone else can do it. Whereas someone else can't really do your purpose or your perform part of this five-step system. And also to your point, my VA is instrumental in the profit part, right? Which is actually quite creative. The idea of, we opened with this guest list idea. Like, how do we decide who in a podcast guest list should we be talking to and connecting to on a deeper level? It's a bit of a, it requires some intuition. It requires some judgment and some you know creativity. And my VA does all of that. You know, like I gave her some initial screening thoughts and questions. Like these are the types of people we really want to connect with, but she's actually making the yes, no decision on who we're bringing over to try to build closer relationships with. So yeah, this is, this is a great discussion about letting people grow and, and find their zone of genius, even though that maybe is not the initial task that you gave them when they came on it's amazing what you can do when you give people a certain level of autonomy i mean i think everybody works within a structure when they're first starting out and as an organization maybe this is more of a management leadership discussion here but it's like once you recognize competence then it's a, a it's a matter of how do i leverage that competence to draw more out of them but also enhance what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And you do that through giving them more and more autonomy as they prove themselves. Like, you know, Julianne is a perfect example of that. She started off as a VA and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, she's really good doing this at systems. And now she's like elevated herself within Solutions 8. Like we had the same types of people you know, within tier 11 that started at a base level, but they proved themselves because their manager, their overseeing manager gave them a little bit more autonomy every single time. And Hey, how can you enhance this process? How can you make it even better than the way that I put it together? You know, and oftentimes people will really surprise you on the upside. So completely agree with the conversation 
here, especially with regard to VAs. And that is a that is a stigma that I think all of us digital marketers sort of have in general. Think differently about it in general, especially when you're talking about something like this or whatever the task is in your organization. It's like give people a little bit more autonomy. You'd be surprised what they do. I mean, they will impress you in many cases. Hey guys, it's Kasim here. And I'm so sorry to be the doom and gloom guy, but I'm hoping this acts as a bit of a wake-up call for you. We've been talking a lot about how the iOS thing has advertisers flying blind, sprinkling in the rising cost of ads and supply chain issues. I think we have a real entrepreneurial challenge ahead of us. And the bad news is a lot of businesses are going to be washed away over the coming months. The good news is that the ones who adapt are going to come out even stronger. That's why it's important to focus on the things that you can control. Tighten up your website, improve your CRO, collect as much first-party data as you can, and test, test, and do more testing. And if you need help with that, go to our friends at Conversion Fanatics. They're running hundreds of tests in all sorts of industries, so they know what's working now. Check the show notes for the link, or you can visit them at conversionfanatics.com. So let's get into... You mentioned six figures here uh, a couple of times. You, this LinkedIn message that really, we don't even know what it is here, but it led to a six-figure purchase for Fire Creek Snacks. Tell us a little bit about that. And sounds like there was a, a podcast tie-in in some way, shape, or form there as well. Yeah, there was. I, I joked that like all, <laughs> all of my friends and like all of my business stories start with a podcast appearance somewhere, at least in the past couple of years. That feels feels the reality of my life. But yeah, in this case, it was 2020. I had just been on that first podcast and this guy was kind of lamenting on LinkedIn. So at, at the time, it was a company called Snack Nation. You guys may be familiar. They're, they basically service big corporate clients, so like Facebook, Google, Apple. And their whole business model was shipping big boxes of better for you snacks into break rooms. And it was 2020 <laughs> and the break rooms were closed. And it was kind of this guy's responsibility to redo their entire business model to be able to get snacks to people's homes instead. And I was like, man, that's, that's rough. I, you know, I, I get it. And I said, I, you know, I have snacks too. And I, I had no like ulterior motive other than I'm trying to like get feedback from people in the industry. So I said, can I send you some snacks? You're working from home now. Sure. So I sent him some snacks at this time, you know, we we're a very small brand packaging, honestly, wasn't that great, but he responded back like a week later. <clears throat> He's like, I got to tell you, this is like the best teriyaki stick I've ever had. And I was like, cool. <coughs> Excuse me. And so he offered to give us a small placement in their network, which small to him was like 8,000 boxes. And they had like 100,000, I think, at the time. So it's pretty small for their world. And in exchange, we basically got like Nielsen level customer feedback surveys. I was like, cool, we'll do that. And so we did that. The, the surveys went great. We got really good feedback. So I leveraged that to get on their own internal podcast. So they have a podcast called Brand Builder. And so I got myself and my business partner. We did a co-interview on there, really dove deep into the brand story, how it all came about. I thought it was a great, a great podcast. So from that, we got some brand collaborations and some other people kind of in their network that wanted to do stuff together. And that was all good. But that was like 20. This is at this point, it's early 2021. That guy that I had the contact with actually left the company. Fast forward a, over a year, February 2022, I get an email from Sharon at Carew. I'm like, I don't know who Sharon is, and I don't know who Carew is. Well, Carew was the rebranded name of Snack Nation, so the same company. And then Sharon was the replacement for George, who was my original LinkedIn message guy. And so she says, hey, I've looked at our customer feedback. I'm trying to basically have fewer brands and just elevate the best brands in our network. 
I also went and listened to the podcast from our brand builder, from everyone that is, you know, eligible for my category, which is like salty snacks. And she's like, what's your capacity? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like, well, how many can you produce for us? And so, yeah, we negotiated a little bit on price, but we didn't have to donate anymore. We actually made money, substantial profit actually with this. And we got 550,000 snack sticks ordered for 2022. So we're continuing every month to fulfill those. It's awesome because we're making money on it, but also because it's 550,000 target customers in the US cumulatively, you know, not, not 550,000 individuals, but 550,000 units going out into our target market, experiencing our product and then coming over and as direct consumer people. So the podcast though was absolutely instrumental in that because this whole thing would have died on the vine with the initial trial in 2020, had we not done the podcast in 2021 and planted a seed again, that's a common theme here to allow this like outsized result to happen in 2022. Wow. What a, what a great story. I love the fact that you had to donate right to put like to, to play in the market. Like, oh, I don't know, <laughs> like giving away free stuff, but sometimes that's what you got to do. Like that's a story of grit right there. I love it with the podcast being, central to it because that was like the touch point where she said okay this guy has credibility somebody that we potentially might want to do business with yeah and part of her you know motivation and part of what their company is supposed to be about and she was really embracing is like we feature up-and-coming brands we feature brands with a purpose brands with a story and so the podcast was our, our way of actually articulating that not only to their customers, you know, and then the people listening, but to their internal team in this case, which was not my intent. I wish I could take credit and be like, well, if we're on this podcast, maybe uh, 14 months later, some random person from the company will reach out and buy half a million snack sticks. I do not think that way, but stuff like that actually happens pretty frequently for us because of podcasting. And it's, it's unique to the medium of this, of this ability to have long form educational content. We talked earlier about the long tail. These things last for a long time. It's, it's a pretty unique thing if you do it repeatedly and systematically and, and don't treat it as a one-off trying to hit a home run. Like you just try to hit a whole bunch of singles, show up every week, hit some singles, and then occasionally a grand slam will come out of it that you just can't predict. And I think that's one of the most fun things about this strategy. Mm, yeah. Well, the harder your work, the luckier you get in exactly. this case. And you're, yeah, you're laying a lot of, a lot down, like a lot of breadcrumbs just to start off with. And I think that's a strategy that makes a whole lot of sense, especially, you know, if you're just starting out or if you're like a mid-sized business, it's just holds true. I mean, you, it's amazing when you put yourself out there, how much stuff just sort of comes like through serendipity, but it's all because you put yourself out there and you put out the work, which is is the most important thing. So let's talk about this so before we before we say our goodbyes here is another pretty cool story about Walmart and the same with the same business. Tell us about that and how that was an evolution of of podcast guesting. For sure. Yeah. So yeah, in 2020, so like 2020 was the worst year ever and then in hindsight it was the best year ever because right. it created these opportunities. Like my whole simple success coaching business only exists because I was doing podcast guest appearances for the Fire Creek Snacks brand. So it's kind of wild that like, that's my main thing now. And it didn't even exist except that I started getting on podcasts and, and thinking this way and, and learning how to teach this. But yeah, in this particular case, I was on that Bigger Pockets business podcast I referenced earlier, a, a pretty sizable podcast. 
a lot of their audience tends to be like real estate investors. So again, it's like completely not targeted to what I was talking about, but they were really interested in the business partnership story that my partner and I have with Fire Creek. And so that, that's what, that was the focus. But in doing that show, there was a lot of people that reached out. Like we had a marketing intern that worked for us for six months for free. Lots of cool, lots of cool stuff came out of that. But one of them was a guy named Daniel, a young guy lived in Bentonville, Arkansas, and uh, was a mountain biker. It was like, your snacks seem really cool. And I love your story. And he was an entrepreneur, but he worked in corporate at Walmart. So he worked there as a finance guy. He's like, I don't know anyone here. I've worked here for like a year, but I'll see if I can find something out. And he did. And to his credit, he went and found the email address of the meat snacks buyer at that time. And he sent a really nice email saying, I heard this guy's story on a podcast and it's a really compelling story and they have a really good product. I've, my wife and I have, have been, you know, consuming them. We think they'd be great for Walmart. You know, it wasn't, I wish I could say, and then we were in Walmart. That's not the story. What actually happened was the guy though was super nice and accepting of that referral. He gave me a one hour zoom call, which is very difficult to get with a corporate buyer at you know, Walmart's the biggest retailer in the world. So I'm like talking to the man here that like deals in these decisions and the only work pretty much with billion dollar brands. And we were very small, but he was very nice. I learned a lot about what they're looking for, what we would need to do differently. And then he left. And but when he changed positions, he actually slipped our name to the next buyer. Her name's Haley. She's the current buyer. And he said, keep an eye on these guys. They have a really good product, a really good story. And uh, yeah. And so Haley did a Zoom call with us. And then last year, at this time of year, her line review, which they decide what goes in the aisle and she controls that aisle. And she said, look, I'm not changing anything. I'm pretty, pretty new, but you know, let's talk. And so we talked and we talked about like kind of a different format, what would work in her aisle versus our typical, you know, individual snack sticks. And the conversation continued. We got, we got a call to go to Bentonville in person this past April. They have an open call event where they let small businesses come down by invitation only and like meet with buyers. It's, it's, it was a wild experience. It's a, it's a story for a different day, but we actually had a really good meeting with her. And, and it was clear in that meeting that she had a buying intent at this point. Right. And she's like, can you produce this? And can we come up with this kind of bag and sort of thing? What would be the price point? And we said, we can do that. So we took our marching orders. And when she had her line review again, recently, we went back to Bentonville with a prototype in hand and got a yes. So we won't know, actually, I wish I knew the end of the story. We don't know our initial store count yet, but we do know we are an approved vendor going in the jerky aisle with all the billion dollar brands with our own unique new packaging at a fair, really actually very nice price point. So yeah, but, so it's, 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 again, it's a planning seed story, right? Like 2020, I got on this show. I met a guy who reached out, who was cool, who made an introduction, who got me educated to the Walmart culture and the way that they're looking to buy. That guy made an introduction to the next person. And then 18 months after that relationship, we got, you know, we're, we're going into Walmart and we'll probably be on the shelves in like April, 2023. So this is a long right. story, but right. it's, it's kind a of long the, sales kind of the, cycle. It's kind of the penultimate story for a food brand though, right? Like to get into the largest retailer and that will like all this stuff we've talked about, like that will provide leverage because now we can say, well, Walmart approved us. Like we're real, you know, like we have real production capacity, real, you know, we're, we're the real deal. If Walmart will accept us, that allows us to go to other retailers and, and kind of share our story with them. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so great. 
Well, well, we'll have to have you back on and finish up that story when the uh, the big purchase order hits from Walmart. But that's, sure. it's just, you know, a, t- a testament to this strategy here and how it really does work and just getting yourself out there. And it, it's obviously been successful. This is this show is proof positive of that actually happening, which is kind of funny. It's sort of a Trojan horse in your inside a Trojan the, it's horse. It's the meta but thing, right? Like I'm, it's I'm the meta on, thing. I'm on a huge podcast talking about why people should get on podcasts and yeah, we're doing the thing and you guys, I know you guys get on other shows. Like it, it's, it, yeah. it, but it's real. And like, you can't deny it because people listening are listening <laughs> to a podcast, learning about it and they're excited about it. So that's, that's the coolest Absolutely. part. Absolutely. So where can people find you? I know you had mentioned a resource as well. Yeah. So my main site is simple success coaching.com. A lot of what we talk about is strategic partnerships and marketing and especially podcast guesting, obviously. So I do have a resource. It's a podcast pitch playbook. So it's basically like an over-the-shoulder look at how I create and think about pitches. And it has a then a customizable template that people can go for their business and create that kind of three-piece email that I talked about earlier that gets an 80% acceptance rate. And I'm going to include three actual emails. So like the real emails I sent to real podcasts, some of which we've talked about today, and their responses to kind of show how this actually works. You can copy and paste it and customize it, obviously, to your own needs. So I've got that available at simplesuccesscoaching.com slash PT for perpetual traffic. So I'd love to people to come over, check that out, learn more about the strategy, and really be able to take action almost immediately by kind of taking advantage of all the work and the reps I've put in over the years to perfect this, this pitch template. Yeah, that's tremendous. Well, that's simplesuccesscoaching.com forward slash PT. Definitely grab your copy. I know we will be grabbing our copy here at Tier 11 for sure. Thank you so much for coming on Perpetual Traffic, Dustin. It's been great. And I think a lot of insights to the listeners. And, uh, you know, thank you, the Perpetual Traffic listener, for listening to the show here. And make sure you do subscribe and leave a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, let us know what we can do better over at perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. We just got a review on that one, which we immediately implemented in today's episode. So how about that? So we are listening to what you all have to say. Follow me over on LinkedIn. We give like the Twitter handle. I'm far more active over on LinkedIn. Follow Kasim at, at Kasim Aslam on Twitter. Go back and listen to some previous episodes. We'll leave some links in the show notes for stuff that we think is important. And all resources and show notes are at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Aslam, peace. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. 